1: Good uh, Sunday afternoon, and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And we call this the thinking person's alternative to the NFL. Uh, We are here to make your mind reach, and uh, we never take a knee. So uh, that's what we're all about. Thank you uh, for being our uh, our guest today, Alana Freeland and uh, Jake Kleisik. And I know that you folks have never done a program together, but part of my connecting dots is trying to find people who I know will make a great tag team and will reinforce each other uh, with the kind of intellect that I know you both have. Uh, Elana, you are Uh, I think probably one of the smartest people, if not the smartest person I've ever met. And I say the same with Jake. It would be a hard time trying to figure out uh, which one I have more respect for. But we are going to be delving into the deep state, uh, the geoengineered transhumanism that is taking over not only our country, but the entire world and they are deadly serious about it. Ilana, welcome to the uh, program. Thank you for being my guest today.
2: Thanks, Dan. So good to see you, and I love that song, uh, uh, That God Bless the I USA.
1: Yeah, I do too. And even though I get comments from people say, we don't know we're free anymore, that's true. But when that song was written, we labored under that impression, and all I can say, we need to we need to make sure we get back to that state of mind where we know we're free and that won't happen until we turn this whole ship estate
2: around that's right that's what it takes
1: jake i it's been a long time buddy i haven't had you on here for probably close to a year uh welcome back to connecting the dots and i know you and Alana are going to have a great discussion together today Thanks for
3: having me back, Dan. It's good to be back. It's
1: been, uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. It's been too long. So, uh, both of you, and I'm not sure, uh, which one we'll start this uh, discussion with. I'll leave it, uh, up to you, but, uh, geoengineered transhumanism. Ilana is a book that you wrote is absolutely brilliant. I, uh, um, you know the the research and the documentation is absolutely phenomenal and i know that you're in the process of breaking that down now into two books uh, per the request of uh, some of your editors and your publishing people and i think that's because yours was such a, a deep dive into the deep state that probably it was a little bit too much for anyone other than uh maybe an academic to get all of it in one in one gulp? uh am i fair in saying that
2: yeah i call it the bible (laughs) yeah because i mean the the name of the uh publisher inner traditions they have a, a really good track record they tend to choose books and look for authors who are writing about science and technology with a, a spiritual bent, mm-hmm. and so they've been watching me for a while, and and finally approached me. And um, at first, I was reluctant to divide. You know, it's kind of like the Solomon, child thing, where you separate the child out uh, to two people, and it loses something. But mm-hmm. I I realized they were right, and the reason it's uh, six hundred and fifty pages, the Geoengineered Transhumanism is because I'm putting together five huge topics uh, to show people and, and to, to manifest that these topics have to do with each other very intimately and that it all comprises uh, the, the way the HARP system, as I call it, that's the High Frequency Active auroral Research Project. Um, the way the system works for the space fence lockdown, which is my term, well, it's not mine, it's Lockheed Martin's term, for uh, what we tend to call the smart grid. You know, the idea that we're consumed and and, and engulfed by a lot of waves, uh, the 5G, the 4G, the 3G, you know, all of the different waves are moving everywhere now in our atmosphere thanks to the HARP project, which does include the chemical trails that we've been watching for years. We call them chemtrails. People make fun of us, call us conspiracy theorists. I don't know why, because the term chemtrails comes from the US uh, Air Force Academy. There are chemical manuals for their pilots about to fly and disperse chemicals over the face of the earth. It, it, to control weather, yes, but for many, many other uh, reasons, and that's the beauty of the three books I've written on this topic. As I've told you before, Dan, had you asked me 15, 20 years ago if I would be writing so many books on such a classified project, therefore sort of in a bunch of pieces on the internet so that you don't know those pieces all go together under one huge um, assault, really. I have to call it an assault, a human rights assault. Uh, and, um, and so I, I'm happy to divide them now. And I've written the geoengineering book. It'll be shorter. It'll be uh, under uh, inner traditions. It'll be cheaper. And um, you know, I think simpler. I hope it's simpler. Certainly, there'll be less footnotes. But um, now I'm faced with writing the uh, synthetic biology book, which is the other half of the book in a way. And uh, and I'm now engaged with some very heavy-duty seminars and microscopic uh, meetings of some very smart people who are investing in very sophisticated microscopes from dark field to other types where you can actually see that tiny, tiny world of the nanotechnology that has now been found by multiple, multiple doctors and researchers to have been in the the jabs, the CV-19 jabs. And so it's not only being inoculated into us now, but we've had 25 years of geoengineering in which a lot of what is in the jab was dispersed for us to breathe, for all of life to breathe, to take in. It's in the soil, it's in the root systems of forests and uh, plants, it's in animals, it's, it's everywhere this nano-sized um, synthetic biology. And synthetic biology simply means that it may have some elements of organic life in it, but it has basically all been, well, um, you know, patented and is uh, is involved in changing our bodies and our minds into a very different kind of human being, I suppose you could say, a hybrid human being, but also a a real cyborg model of uh, a human being. So, so to me now, my mission of getting out there the whole system of harp and the chemtrails and and all that is being has been weaponized there. Uh, getting it connected now to the synthetic biology that I'm sorry to report we all not just the vaxed but the uh the non-inoculated as well we are all subject to we are finding in that va- in inocul in vaxed and unvaxed uh the same creatures and they are creatures but they are probably entirely synthetic for the most part and are able not just to reproduce very few reproduce but they they duplicate themselves readily in the blood. So I see this as a uh, the whole thing. And Clifford Carnicum, the independent scientist, I was fortunate enough to meet and work with years ago. Clifford always said, they haven't just changed the atmosphere, they're changing our blood. And now I see it. And um, I'm still adjusting to this. Uh, you know, I mean I see it on these microscopes. It's no it's not just a concept for me, not just some distant idea. I see it. And and now I'm I'm really red hot to to take this on and present it in a way that people can understand and really take up what being human is all about.
1: Exactly. And you're saying something that's important. I know you and Jake are both. Christians, just like I am, just like Sumper is. Th- these people are megalomaniacs, and they're trying to create humanity in the image that they want and not in God's image. And that's exactly why they think they need to uh, uh, completely uh, change the architecture of the of the human being into something that they can design and that is really really pathetic uh jake i i uh i i know that you were looking into some of elana's uh books and some of her information uh and incidentally uh, jake has written a book called the school world order that you absolutely need to read if you have not seen it but uh, he gets into the whole transhumanist agenda. And he was probably the closest friend to uh, Charlotte Izzerby before she died. And uh, he got an awful lot of information from Charlotte. She turned over basically most of her archives uh, to Jake because uh, she knew her time was limited and she knew that he's a young man that would tackle it and move that ball forward. Jake, welcome to the program again. Hey,
3: thanks for having me back, Dan. Yeah, this is uh, everything you see behind me. You probably notice I got a new setup. I had to build some uh, bookshelves, or I had the old man build me some bookshelves here. And this is, I'd say 90 plus percent Charlotte's stuff, uh, probably closer to 99% her stuff. Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, I tried to. uh, I haven't read the book. Um, I uh, Dan sent me some of your materials, so I looked up some stuff on your website and uh, listened to some of the interviews. Um, I'm just curious. I got a few questions. I'm. uh, You mentioned uh, that there's these what seem to be disparate pieces of a puzzle that fit together. So, geoengineering, synthetic biology. Uh, transhumanist technologies, nanotech involved in the in the array of transhumanist uh, tech, um, and you mentioned a lot of it is classified. So I'm just curious, like how do how do we know that this all fits together in this particular way? Since I haven't had a chance to look at your research, maybe you could fill me in on some of that, and so I could have a, a better discussion with you.
2: Sure. Um, in fact, I I've got a PowerPoint that. I'd like to pick my way through just, you know, this and that and this and that so that you can see it because the size alone of the heart project that sort of gives birth to all of this by absolutely transforming the atmosphere and then feeding these nanoparticles down to uh, a life so that we're all taking it in in one way or another. I think just uh, you know a picture's worth a thousand words. Would would you go for that?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, visual demonstration is always uh, a plus.
2: Yeah, because I can also show you a few slides of what is being found in the blood. Um, uh, do I just hit share screen, Dan? Yeah,
1: uh, just do sh- uh, screen share, and you should be able to uh, do what you need. And if it doesn't work, we'll uh, work with Thumper. Yeah, there you go.
2: Waiting for it to be big. Is yours big?
1: Nope. Yeah, it's cut off. It's like cut off the screen.
2: That's oh, where is it? Oh, can you see it? Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay, so first I need to. There we go. Let's push play. Okay, so let me just whip through this. I the other night, Dan, I wanted you to know, um, both of you to know, actually, I was contacted by a team of firefighters uh from maui who oh. asked me very nicely to uh run them through how this technology works because uh that fire was definitely geo-engineered I, I i could see that right off the bat because there are just certain patterns to how they do it from space so um i i whipped up this little powerpoint it's uh, probably needs more work but you know how that goes so geoengineering, um, let me just uh, see if I can, um, how do I get these little things of us uh, here uh, out of the
3: way? I think you can grab them with your arrow and drag them, I think a little bit. But okay, I yeah, okay. I think the audience, I don't know if they actually see the bubbles. I think- Yeah, it, we don't see anything. Yeah, that's just on- yeah. that.
2: <laughs> Okay, <laughs> then you're gonna have to read these because uh, I, I, I have one. So I've defined geoengineering it's not what you think. It's not just global war- making global warming better, making climate change better. No, it has seven operations, all of which are classified. So uh, the, first, the way I define it is intentional manipulation of global scale Earth system processes. okay, so that's that. And then the military itself is saying that uh, we are involved in fifth generation warfare. And I thought I would define that as well because I, I certainly do agree with them. And you guys will have to read that one. Why don't you read okay. that?
1: Yeah, sure, I can read it. Uh, fifth generation warfare is warfare conducted primarily through non-kinetic military action, such as social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks and emerging artificial intelligence technologies, smart technologies.
2: Great. Right. Okay. So that's, that's what we are undergoing now. Among uh, many other things, of course, you know how rich it is every day, something new. And then this, um, I would like to, I, I don't think I need to read the whole thing, but the Miso, it's not the soup. Uh, the mil- military information support uh, and uh, and operation. this is this is what President Obama left us is he took the Smith moder- he took the Smith Monk Act of 1948 and he changed it into the Smith Monk Modernization Act. Uh, uh, and what this does is it makes it okay for the military intelligence, industrial, uh, let's add medical, uh, complex to lie and propagate domestic um well domestic uh mm-hmm. propaganda so psyops, psy-ops. yeah yes. absolutely
1: psychological in, in fact, operations yeah. that's
2: right in fact they, the the NDAA you know that huge omnibus bill that comes up every year and people tack on things that nobody will ever see because who's going to read thousands of pages? Um, They now call it MISO instead of PSYOPs. So I just wanted to make that clear that that is going on all the time. And therefore, how do we read the news? How do we find out what's true and what's not true? This is, this is a real, real problem because we have all the corporate media are completely controlled. So we have to develop a a sort of new intelligence. And I, because of, I was so ticked off about John Kennedy's assassination and you remember I had tea with them in the Rose Garden. So you know, it was a big deal to me. Uh, And I wrote an entire series called the uh, uh, Sub Rosa America, a deep state history. four books uh, about the fact that America's been s- s- dragged asunder because of um, people who obviously do not love the idea of freedom, much less the existence of freedom. So I I uh, very much want... Uh, when I encountered Clifford Carnicum, the scientist that I was able to work with, I um, he gave me this list of seven operations for the HARP, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project. And you'll see a picture of that in a moment. So let's just lay that out. And this is again, why the book is so big. So weather engineering is going on. And I can honestly say that I don't think I've seen a natural weather uh, day in all the years I've been studying this because I pay very close attention and have learned how to read the sky, you might say. So no, all weather is controlled now by AI and um, and it's uh, it's been weaponized. Even though it's scalar, which Tesla assured us, he wanted scalar energy to be out there so that we could we could have everything natural. We could we could all dip into the energy that's in the air, always in the air. Everybody would have free energy. He, he had all these dreams when he came from um, uh, Serbia uh, to America, and then, lo and behold, had to encounter the industrialists like J.P. Morgan and uh, a very weak political artifice already at that time that he came. So, so, you know, it's a sad tale, another sad tale. If you begin to look at all the, um, the, the people who have invented things, the, the people who have brilliance who came to America with great hopes, uh, it's, it's just a litany of one, one thing after another. So that's one thing. All right. Second operation, chemical electromagnetic, that is going on all the time. I can honestly say that the air now that you breathe, uh, on a nano scale, you are breathing masses of aluminum oxide. You are breathing uh, probably trillions of uh, nano sensors every day that are being dropped and, and replenished up in the in the stratosphere, in the upper atmosphere. Uh, so. A lot of chemical things are going on, uh, you're imbibing chemicals that are really uh, not good for your organism. It's why health is probably the worst it's been uh, ever, I would imagine. Uh, and therefore the doctors and the entire big pharma, big medical um, cartel is making a fortune off of sickness. So. That's that's that. Then the next one is planetary geophysical operations. And that would include the, the uh, geoengineered fires under that, where they have certain real estate plans, uh, certain uh, experiments that they need to see how it works. They've got something new they want to try out. So they will pick and choose the places where they do this for a variety of reasons. Um, the fourth one is directed energy warfare operations. There are even people being targeted in their individual homes and workplaces by satellite now, and laser operations are a piece of cake from satellite. Uh, you know, so you can find out all these uh, if you uh, look for you know the the right terms, and uh, the directed energy weapon one is a bit of a problem because now so much of our internet of things and the things that we live around the energy systems we live around and that we have as toys and as you know big fast movie downloads etc all of that can be weaponized within your home or workplace uh, by feeding energy off of other devices so to me the directed energy warfare operations is very much expanded now due to all of our convenience items and our entertainment items being what the military calls dual use. In other words, it can be used Mm -hmm. for civilians and it can be used for uh, military and and indeed it is. The fifth one is surveillance and neural operations. Neural operations is my nice way of saying mind control, uh, behavior control, emotional control. You uh, hear voice to skull inside that many targeted individuals complain of. Tinnitus or tinnitus is also uh, involved in that. Uh, the surveillance is, is, I mean, what are you going to do when you're walking around and you, you, you've got trillions and trillions of nano uh, uh, sensors? I mean, everything's being read. Everything is being fed to massive uh, uh, systems that, uh are uh so-called computers. I'm not quite sure if they're uh really not sentient as well as Geordie uh I think what's his name? Geordie Maxwell, the one at the, the D-Wave computer said that, you know, that, that being close to the D-Wave computer, which is a quantum computer, was like uh being close to an alien god. Uh, I'm not really sure where <laughs> Where sentience and non-sentience mm-hmm. is anymore, truthfully, um, and then the sixth one is biological, and that would include synthetic biology, transhumanism operations, and I'm spending most of my time now on this one, as you can imagine, and then finally the last one is in case we get you know an, a UFO uh, a, a attack, that uh, Werner von Braun said that we sh- assuredly would uh, by the deep state. Uh, and we are at that point in uh, in his uh, his prophetic uh, statement right on his deathbed. Um, that has to do with what the paperclip Nazis shared with us. Mm-hmm. and we gave them carte blanche to all of our military bases and, and everything, uh, you know, hospitals, everything. So uh, detection and obscuration of exotic propulsion systems. And that too has to do with the clouds that are created now, which are primarily plasma, by the way. They are not the old clouds of yesteryear. These are these are plasma creations. Um, and inside the, some of them, you'll see once in a while some sort of ship or something uh, hiding. Some of them can even produce their own plasma cloud cover if they feel that it's too thin. Uh, and so a lot of this has been... Um, there have been photographs taken of all that. It's important I spent all that time on that, just to give you an idea of what we're really dealing with when we're talking about Mm geoengineering. There's the main culprit, HARP, High Frequency Active Aurora Research Project up in Vatona, Alaska. Uh, Very powerful, very, very powerful. Still is, we've been, the Air Force has tried to convince us they gave it over to the University of Alaska at Fairbanks. It's just that the universities now all work for the military-industrial intelligence complex. So, you know, it, it it is up there, and I'm sure they're overseeing it, but it is still being used as a weapon system.
1: Uh, I remember, so Alan. They- I remember hearing and reading about a Harp Clear back in the uh, in the '80s, uh, and it, it's been going on since. Uh, uh they actually built that program and started putting it together in the late 50s early 60s didn't they
2: well you're thinking of it wasn't called harp then it wasn't the Harp project no okay. but it, it was very much it was the russian woodpecker remember the russian woodpecker oh, yeah. and we, mm-hmm. we all heard uh probably about the Tunguska. Uh, in in Siberia, the explosion that took place back in the early 20th century uh, when Tesla fired up his Wardenclyffe tower out on Long Island, Mm. that was an early heart, that Wardenclyffe. Mm. And then uh, when they, uh, I think what happened, well, I I don't want to get too far afield. There are certain uh, anecdotes I really like about this, but this is Nick Begich's book, that he uh-huh. came out with in 1995, "Angels Don't Play This Harp," and I got a, a lesson uh, from it. I was uh, reading the book. I got it as soon as it came out, and I was reading it at a substitute teacher job that I had taken for the day at a high school. Uh, sitting in the lunch room, faculty lunch room, a couple of guys sat down and um, asked me what I was reading. I began to tell them the little bit I knew. And, uh, there was a woman at the table that I think subsequently, I think now she was a military wife would be my guess. And, um, she went home and told somebody something about me reading this book. And the next day I had a military chopper over my house and it stayed about 10 minutes as it put me on its coordinates, I guess. So I've, I've, I learned early that this was a hot potato. Mm -hmm. Um, This is by Rosalie Bertel, the wonderful nun, gray nun, epidemiologist who wrote a book uh, called uh, Planet Earth, The Latest Weapon of War, a critical study into the military and the environment. Wonderful book. Uh, It's come out with a second edition, thanks to Claudia von Werloff in uh, Europe. Uh, And her statement was the ability of the harp Slash Space Lab. That would be the I I uh, the you know what's up there the I what's it called the IMS or I S S. So uh, and rocket combination to deliver very large amounts of energy comparable to a nuclear bomb anywhere on Earth via laser and particle beams is frightening. All right, PDFs, thank you. And I'm going to play this, even though it's a couple of minutes but I want you to hear it from the horse's sure. mouth. This sure. gentleman is from the Air Force.
4: Uh, let's see, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Jen, and thank you to all of you this morning, very interesting. I wanted to ask uh, a question, a couple of questions here about the high-frequency active aurora research program. Uh, several of you at the table have a little bit of a piece here you know this is located up in alaska it's currently funded by the air force research lab it was formerly funded by the office of naval Research. one of the prime customers is darpa uh, which is currently running experiments at the facilities so, so uh questions to several of you this morning. i'm told by the president of the museum alaska that the air force has pulled its support for the facility and they're taking steps to uh, to demolish them and take it down this summer. He's making the argument that uh that there is other opportunities for us, and uh it's trying to find a path you where know, the university might be able to take title to the facility. i I'd, I'd like to start with you, Dr. Bodhkar. I understand that um, a lot of folks here on the committee probably don't understand what HEART does. I think most Alaskans don't really know what HEART does or why the agency is involved in it. Uh, so a very brief explanation, and then a more direct question, would you be disappointed or would lose something if, if HEART were to go with? Senator Markalski, as I think we know, uh, one of our programs has been using the HEART facility for the research that, that uh, it's pursuing uh and my understanding is that we did get value out of that interaction um the the key in DARPA is projects and uh we're not in the business of doing the same thing forever so very naturally as we conclude about work uh we're going to move on to other topics so i it's not uh it's not a uh an ongoing need uh for DARPA despite the fact that we have actually gotten some good value out of the, that infrastructure in the past then to uh, Dr. Walker and Mr. Schaefer then. Dr. Walker, your agency is currently running the facility. Um, uh, I mentioned that it's our understanding through the present view that that plans are to move forward and, and demolish the facility this summer. So the question to you is, is that accurate? Can you explain why? And then uh, perhaps to both you and Mr. Schaefer, is there any benefit in exploring a potential relationship with the University uh, of Alaska to perhaps take over? Thank you. So the,
5: the, the Air Force has uh, gotten great value out of parking at that the door if you the to name it and we a get a number of standard uh, mentions up there and finished uh, our, our work that we we're considering doing up there a. Moving on to other ways of uh, managing the ionosphere, which the HARP was really designed to, to do with the executive agents on the ionosphere.
2: So there you heard it.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: We control the ionosphere. And when I say we, I'm talking about the four major branches of the American military. And I would have to throw the CIA in because the CIA was very much initially involved in the HARP uh, in the 90s. That's when they constructed it, as far as I know, Dan. Uh, mm-hmm. They constructed it in the 90s. You know who knew was Billy Hayes, the Harp man. Uh, Billy worked; he was the head of the team that uh, built Harp up there, and he also was uh, building uh, around the world 240 military sites. He built uh, apparatus very similar to that to work with Harp, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so those were all uh, phased array antennas that they are weapon systems period. They, they make a, they take a bunch of small beams, just like 5G does, take a bunch of small beams and you can create a very big, powerful beam. And so, uh, that's how Harp works. And there, it was never taken down. That was all false. I think this whole thing that you just watched was sort of staged and, uh, and it, is partially run by the University of Alaska, I assume, but it is used as a weapon system now. So when we have those big storms or we have earthquakes that have a particular punch, uh, like a seven point uh, or or something along those lines, I always assume Harp is involved. Though you need, because of the interferometry that you have to use, which is just a, a big word for interfering beams, you get one uh, one ionospheric heater. That's what HARP is, to get a beam together, and then you get another ionospheric heater in the same lat similar latitude, and you, that one puts out a beam. And now you interface the two, and at the point where they they uh, interfere with each other, that's where the target area is, mm-hmm. and then the scalar wave is released and the scalar wave goes straight through the Earth. It can go all the way to the other side of the Earth and do an operation there. It's not limited in space at all, like electromagnetics are. Uh, and uh, and then you have an event. So um, it's a, a, a very serious thing that the United States controls the ionosphere. The ionosphere is about 50 miles up and then goes from there all the way up to the magnetosphere, which, and the magnetosphere, as you may know, is partially uh, very much uh, impacted by right. technology at CERN. CERN handles the magnetosphere, HARP handles the ionosphere. So we're talking secret space program here. That's what this is. And um, and so uh, let's go on to this. There's Billy. Hi, Billy. Um and there's Michael Murphy, who put out the films on it. I highly recommend I think you got a copy Dan. I hope you saw it of mm-hmm. um, uh, we just found his third film uh, his death uh interfered with finishing it the final end editing editing, but it is very good, and if you watch it in the way I watched it, you will see the reason that Michael Murphy was removed from this Earth, I suppose you could say, before he finished that film, because that film very much points the finger at the massive organizations like the WHO uh, and uh, the UN, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, that uh, were uh, have used global geoengineering to prep the Earth uh, for what is going on now. Mm-hmm.
1: No, the I, a matter of, matter of fact uh Ilana, I it's interesting because you bring up a lot of these things but uh like Dr Rima Labo Labo um and others have been talking about this information for 20 years yeah and uh it's all you know the more you Look under the curtain or behind the curtain. The more you realize, all these things are interconnected, and yeah. just exactly how complex that whole uh, that whole program really is. Oh, yeah. and
2: deadly, and deadly. Yeah. Uh, now the jet stream is totally controlled by the same uh, players, the geoengineers. And that of course uh, makes it so that all the weather is uh, is subject to this technology. And this we know, just notice the number of trails coming out. It's not a simple one off from the uh, engine compartment.
1: All right.
2: It's coming out of the wings. It's coming out of various uh, ducts. It's a full delivery system. Uh, sounding rocket launches, make very nice sunsets, but are pretty much bad for you. There's what lithium looks like, uh, dusty plasma. Dusty plasma is of course in space and that's what provided the uh, model for uh, nanotechnology as the uh, the size of these very tiny, you see their micro, uh, micrometer uh, but you know, these are very small, small particles, mm. much less than a micrometer even. So um, all right, I think that's all I need to say here. There we go. This is what this is what the frequency, that's one of the things that is broadcast by the PARP system is frequencies uh, for control of population, for uh, beefing up um, delivery systems over certain target areas you know, like before an earthquake, you're going to see the sky is full of that sort of cloud formation with these Mm. serrated patterns. That's uh, That that Fukushima was loaded with that three days Mm. in advance. Um, So uh, Jack Cruz, great brain surgeon, says um, he who controls the electromagnetic spectrum on Earth controls the living things on the surface of the planet. So let me just scroll down really fast here. This, oh, oh, I would love for you to see that, but I don't want to take up all the time. Um, So down here, we're looking at nano, bio, info, and cogno, yeah. That's how this new network-centric warfare works that we're subject to now.
5: Mm Yeah. Oh, well,
2: we have to give Julian a moment. This is where he says hmm. he calls it intelligent evil dust.
5: Now, I don't think by sucking out uh, or adding a uh, kind of star, other things, you can make that much of, make that much of a difference. And, and increasingly it's increasingly less. And in terms of the I've there's research the now, i seen a very small open surface. And we've just put in paper or paper on it on I they are powered by the DSM station. And you can say, they operate as the DSM radio wave through through if you a very small amount of time season. So obviously, that tendency is going to continue. Because it's like you need to know, make things, it's like it's, uh, it's uh, like, uh, telling this evil stuff uh, scattered everywhere, like confetti, in everything. So, I think it's increasingly hard for human beings to work out how to deal with that. And the only way I the only
2: way I can see is that I'll stop there. Um, so yes, uh, it is everywhere. We can't see it. We're breathing it. It's operant inside our bodies. That's the main thing to me uh, with the five G, six G systems, and the six G. Believe me, is up. Uh, we haven't been informed, but it is up. And uh, you know, I have uh, people who who know those things and um, talk to them once in a great while. So uh now from molecular, we're moving from molecular biology to digital bioengineering, which means that they can um, use five g, six g, seven g even systems to uh, transmit frequencies, particular frequencies uh, to uh, create the same symptoms you would get if you had the disease. So uh, the idea that, disease can be transmitted, which is kind of what I think that they're planning now with the, what's it called? The latest one that they're going to- Marburg. Marburg. Yes. I think that's probably it. And that's one of the reasons I've decided that um, they can't produce uh, a virus, a coronavirus, because they um, used a frequency to, to, to uh, transmit symptoms. Now, there's a difference between having a disease and having symptoms that, now how are we going to get used to how many years will it take us to translate that into something that we can understand? I mean, we're so conditioned to the idea of virus, which I'm with Tom Cowan MD who says there is no virus. Andrew Kaufman, MD says the same thing. No, there's no virus. I studied Chinese medicine in my twenties, And uh, and they completely nix the idea of virus. It's a loss of balance. And in an environment like has been the the Mm -hmm. one that's been created for us. I think, come on, who can live a balanced life in this environment? You have to have additional information so that you can take measures to protect yourself, to, to feed your body what it needs in order to deal with some of this nanotech that's coming down. So um, anyway, this idea of molecular biology becoming digital biology, basically. Um, And then now let me just show you a couple of, okay. These are the fibers that we see everywhere. Uh, That's probably 100 times or 200 uh, magnification. Oh no, that's 1,500, the other one was. This one's 5,000. These are the fibers Clifford Carnicom was looking at as early as 1999 coming down after the jets would pass over northern New Mexico with this spewing out the back that had nothing to do with contrails and everything to do with chemical trails. Mm -hmm. There is one uh, on a filament on skin. It turns out that inside these filaments are organs. And uh, I'll I'll just show you some more. Okay. So this is all This is all yesteryear that we were seeing this stuff. Uh, I was working with him. I never had the Morgellons come out in my skin, uh, except for once when I was going to go visit him and I was given a great deal of polyps on my calves, uh, which I now know were electromagnetically uh, given to me with frequency. Um, Okay, quantum dots are being found now We saw quantum dots back uh, in the early 2000s when I started working uh, with Clifford. Um, Synthetic organisms are uh, being made. Uh, Now, this is some of the stuff being seen now. This is Tony Pantalaresco and this also, he saw a carbon nanotube and it looks almost like a, like a larva, doesn't it?
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: This is Dr. David Nixon, whom I'm working with now, or I'm not working with him. I'm he, I'm allowed to come to the sessions that he has uh, as he's training a lot of people in micros- microscopy, uh, along with Anna Mihalcha, MD, who lives 13 miles from me. The two of them are starting a virtual revolution uh, because they're revealing something that very few doctors have discovered yet. This is one of the artifacts found in a dental anesthetic. And I don't know what the, this is dark field m- microscopy. I don't know what the um, magnification is, but uh, it's probably considerable, maybe maybe 300. So um, anyway, I think that's about all. There's a, a close-up. Uh, this is wow. another thing found in uh, in the vaccine. This is from the CR- CV19 va- uh, serum, and if you notice, it looks for all the world like a piece of computer hardware.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh looks like the uh, architecture for a
2: hard drive. It does, mm-hmm. and this is what they're finding in the blood. So is our blood under attack? Oh, indeed it is. Hmm. Is this connected to an actual physical specimen of transhumanism? Yes, it is. Uh, my indication is that the CB 19 three years we've just been through uh, means that a transhuman race is under production. At least one. Hmm. So, that's it. See what I mean? I mean, it's like yeah. it's 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 hitting me now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a great uh, researcher and and I can study awful things and not feel bad, but I'm having I'm having a tough time with this. Uh, I feel uh, I feel emotional about it, mm-hmm. and um, and so I'm just taking a little R and R now and then to um, to just pull my head out
1: of it. Well, I can't blame you for that. I uh, I know that Celeste Salam has talked about how our uh, our whole food chain, everything we eat now yes. is imbued with this uh, nanotechnology uh, with all this synthetic biology. And uh, this is something that um, you know she that's an area that she really works in uh I mean basically Atlanta when you start putting it all together all the dots connect
2: yeah 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 and these these microscopists are also doing food I mean they're they're you know they're doing they with the ability to have these microscopes that can see such detail uh they're looking at everything they're mm-hmm. looking at you know whatever strikes their fancy uh, a piece of fruit uh, you know what the liquid coming out of their eye uh to just see what is in there and 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 it's everywhere it's in everything wow
1: okay jake uh you got a chance to uh review some of uh elana's work uh let let's uh let's hear maybe some of your thoughts
3: well yeah i mean so i was still trying to follow how how the geoengineering potentially connects to the synthetic biology and uh, what's uh, shown in the slides, and in regarding the slides, uh, do we have like sources or citations on like where these slides came from? I've, I've seen the videos uh, that came out of La Quinta, Columna with the what appears to be the self-assembling uh, nanoparticles particles and. And those tentacle-looking things, but you know, this is the the age of deep fakes and such. And so, I've I've not been able to find any sort of primary source on that, or any sort of uh, third-party verification. Uh, if you look at some, if you just kind of do some general research on the on some of the issues you've touched on, I've found papers in which uh, graphene oxide has been experimented with as an adjuvant in mice and things like that um and so you know i've seen some research at rice university where they have edible graphene but not seen anything in terms of fda or some other manufacturer or regulator that suggests that it's in the food so i'm just wondering how how we connect those dots and how we how we verify the the slides are showing what they're showing and that uh, we we're, we're beyond the the phases in which these things are all just sort of at the research level. I think, yeah,
2: you're, I, I think you're bringing up an excellent point mm-hmm. um, in, in my you know, biology was my undergrad and I, I, I can honestly say that very little of what I learned in biology really applies to much of anything having to do with synthetic biology. So we're at some sort of crossroads where we're leaving behind a certain science and we're entering another science, which is how it can be kept from everybody with secrecy and lies and subterfuge uh, so that nobody really can imagine that this could be one of those moments. And it is, it is one of those moments when you have to admit that you're dealing with a science which there's very little you can go and and read about. I mean, the one book I found which was instructive but wasn't really about what I'm studying was Paul Davies' recent book uh, about uh, the, he calls it the demon in the machine or the demon in the cell. I can't remember which, but he's talking about the cellular makeup of the human body and how much like a computer it is. I mean, it's really, its a, you'd love it. It's a great book because Paul Davies is a very well known uh, biology guy. So, so you're absolutely right. And that's, that's sort of what I faced when I started doing this. Initially, I thought it was You know, Clifford was the one who tied it to biology when he would be looking at you know uh, what some of the uh, precipitation that he had collected, and he would put things under the microscope. We all did the saliva test, you know, about a dozen of us, uh, where we cleaned our mouths and then spit uh, into uh, a a jar, and uh, and then you wait and see, and pretty soon you see these critters moving their way across the bottom of the jar. Uh, that was impressive. And then when we took our blood samples and put it under the microscope, well, you see them wiggling all over the place in the blood. So, you know, it, it began there. That would have been probably 2005 that I had that experience. And, um, and then you go from there and you go and try to look for secondary uh, resources. There are none. I couldn't find anything was nothing uh, and and maybe I didn't recognize it or, or didn't look far enough but um, I, I think you're bringing up a valuable point it, you you're gonna have to use your own um, your own nose in a way like a like a bull uh, like a, a hound dog trail' tra- going down a trail you're following the trail you're gonna have to use your own nose and then look over here and there and make comparisons. And if, if you chance to meet a professional who really knows something about this, which is very rare, I, I was I was not able to do that, but then I'm not a PhD and PhDs tend to not talk to non-PhDs about anything substantive like this. So So it is my own intelligence and the fact that Clifford and I were in the same boat. He used to work for the Department of Defense as a scientist uh, and a computer uh, specialist of some sort and uh, and and didn't have a PhD. He didn't follow the PhD route because to me, I thought about doing a PhD. I had a chance to do one, but I, I thought of it as just more programming I was going to have to get over if I wanted to be an independent thinker. So um, <laughs> uh, that's what I've done. Uh, and it has taken thousands and thousands of hours, no question about it. And I think if you look in the, the the fat book, or go back to one of the other two books, which are smaller, and have a lot of interest, a lot of good information, and in, lots of footnotes, you can you can follow that that trail. But I can't give you anything finished that's been stamped with approval by some organization or some company or anything, because this is highly classified, and it's out there. I mean, where better to hide something than out in front of the police station? Do you remember that way of thinking? I mean, in a way, that's kind of how it is. Who's gonna put that kind of time in? Uh, Because it takes a lot of time. Uh, And if you're not lying, why would I lie? Nobody even knew me a few years ago now uh um, three of my books have been translated in, in there uh, five languages so far so uh so you know there are people in the world who realize that a lot of the best stuff is is all top secret and you're gonna have to think your way through it it's it's uh it's tough i I realize that
1: mm-hmm. well and I can appreciate what Jake is saying too um about um yeah. wanting to make sure that you know if you follow a trail you want to make sure that you're following a trail that isn't, uh, uh, just, I guess, uh, supposition that it has some factual basis. And so go ahead, Jake, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: No, no, no. I mean, and, and, you know, let me be clear. I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not inferring, uh, anything about your honesty. Uh, you know, oftentimes when I'm, uh, discussing things with my my dad will he'll tell me about something he read about or something and my first question is where did you read this what's the source right like and he's like a lot of times he thinks i'm challenging him and it's like i'm not challenging you i just i can't verify for myself what you're saying unless i can right understand right. the what i'm looking at the prim, the primary source right that's that's all i'm okay. getting at, right like yeah. and, and um You know, definitely, you know, in my own research, um, you know, I discovered through you know Jose Manuel Rodriguez Delgado's research that Oh, Delgado, yeah. Right. I mean his are as old as oh at least it's early sixties, late fifties, right? The very crude neural neural implants that he had, right? When I when I wrote my book. It was it was going to be like 90 pages is what was originally listed at because I thought that a lot of the stuff that I had sort of inferred about the ground level research I did on artificial intelligence and adaptive learning courseware and and uh, bio feedback wearables that that was just sort of the tip of an iceberg that was in the sort of the the r d research and development phases and lo and behold uh you know the the r d phases are pretty much 60 years old even in something as exotic as uh, a brain computer interface so uh i'm open-minded to the possibilities that that this type of stuff is uh perhaps further along than we'd like to think but whenever I've done any research, uh, you know, and the only primary sources I can find sort of are everything a lot of the stuff that you've touched on is uh in sort of the experimental phases. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do this. Or we're we're just starting But yes, all that language.
3: Yeah, and and I and I just tend to be I tend to be very careful with my rhetoric because um, you know, there's there's as my publisher says you know uh sort of the men behind the curtain so to speak you know you control the middle that being what is demonstrably true by controlling the extremes and so you know oftentimes uh some some very exotic sort of uh, far fetched stuff gets sort of thrown out there uh and if enough people latch onto that that becomes the narrative and then the stuff that is demonstrably Provable with primary citations uh, gets sort of uh, drowned out by this this other disinformation, and then by dint of that, right? Nobody looks at the things we can demonstrate. So I just get I'm very careful uh, about uh, what I can what I can confirm. I can't confirm it if I can't confirm it for myself. I you know I just uh, I'm I'm very careful. To not speculate, right? It's certainly not on the public record, so that's why I was just trying to see if if yeah. there was a piece that I was missing in my research that you could you could sort of like the keystone that you could put into, uh for me to see how some of the things that I that I can verify uh, fit together in the ways that you're you're trying to put together here.
2: Yeah, and I do have I do have lists uh, certainly in the books of anything that I showed here. Uh, and that's why I included that a uh, little bit from the University of Alaska kind of thing, is that is about the only thing that, I, I use that just to say the ionosphere is controlling, uh, which um, is really, really important And uh, because you won't see it in the news. You will not see any of this in the news. So I, you know, it is, it is classified, but I'm just happy that you're interested in it, and you might you might read a little bit more. You might uh, examine it yourself because I, I'm telling you this is uh, this is huge, mm-hmm. and uh, and we are in deep deep caca uh, now. Uh, and all that time that Clifford was sort of speculating very quietly, not not publishing anything, he's got a, a film out that he did in two thousand five called Aerosol Primer aerosol crimes. And in that, he he's he's a stickler for data, because he was a trained scientist and he, he, he very much holds to that. But when you're looking at things that don't fit the paradigm that you've been taught, you have to speculate and you have to uh, just have some theories that you're sort of working with and you can discount if you decide it's not true. And that's the kind of thing that he realized early on is he was going to have to go off the trail that, uh, he was taught because there was no other trail mm-hmm. there was simply no other trail. And, and I'm, I'm mainly a writer. I don't consider myself a science person, but I'm pretty smart and, uh, I can pick things up pretty fast. So I, you know, not math though. Don't give me any math. Uh, and <laughs> so I, I've, I've definitely, uh, spent, a, you know, a, a lot of time on this that, uh, it's a big surprise to me too. That this this is 13 years of my life
3: so far. Yeah, well, I like it, you know, I get like I said, I mean, if we if we look at uh each piece individually, I've I've definitely found some primary sources that can uh that show that there's there certainly is research into these various areas. I actually used to give my students an article, uh teach rhetoric. So we you know they have to have topics to write about and I usually give them things to read about in the realm of science and technology and, and the ethics thereof. And there was an article, it was an MIT article actually on geoengineering, right? And this was oh well wow, this is several years before lockdown. So right but it largely focused on uh you know the aerosols, barium, strontium, aluminum, etc. Didn't get into the harp stuff. I do have Nick Begich's uh I've got a couple of his books. Mm-hmm. And, but I had yeah,
1: and incidentally, he ended up uh, uh, he ended up uh, being a representative in the state of Alaska for a while. Isn't that uh, no? That was, that was his father. father. Oh, that his was father. his father. Okay, and then
2: his brother, I believe, was he governor or something? He was also a bigwig, but mm-hmm. he's primarily known then for the fact that um, uh, the fellow who was on the JFK committee. The, the Warren Commission mm-hmm. was with his father when they went up in a little twin oh. engine plane and 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 must have crashed but they totally disappeared and were never found wow so that mm-hmm. was a huge experience for Nick mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. okay yeah. I'm sorry go ahead go ahead uh Jake
3: Oh no! I was just saying I do. I do remember something. Something strange happened with his. Was his brother right? Yeah, and it, I believe it was. Yeah, he died. In some- no, it was his dad. It was his dad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember vaguely about that. But yeah,
2: yeah. his name was Nick Begich Olson.
3: Okay. Okay. I see.
1: Yeah, that's why I made that connection with Nick Nick Begich. Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: this. Like uh, you know, if 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 you're able, if uh. It sounds like you said you, for this next phase of research, you got access to some uh, mic- microscopes that you're you're going to be. Well, the,
2: the doctors that I'm in touch with, the doctors and the uh, and the scientists who are all there are dozens of people working on this, okay. uh, and um, they have a meeting every week uh, on Saturday at one o'clock. It's from out of Australia, so everybody has to do a time jump kind of thing. Uh, wherein they're sharing what they've found over the week, and it's you know it's a learning situation where there are new microscope people, and then there are the old timers.
3: Okay, so I, I, I'm sorry, I, th- I thought I heard you say something to the effect that you're going to be able to actually look through the physical microscope to get a first first uh, hand observation of what's in the slides.
2: Well, I can through the doctor Mahalcha. She lives 13 miles from me, and she she will let me. If I, and, if I indeed want to. Are
3: those, um, like, so are they uh, jab vials or, or, or are they just blood samples or what exactly are you? All of the above. They're doing
2: live blood analysis when they can. They're doing dried blood analysis. They're doing the serum, the various serums of Pfizer, uh, Moderna, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and, th- and then they're, they're branching out into like fruit and vegetables, uh, and the uh, anesthetics of dental anesthetics in order to see how far this goes. Like to find it in the blood is one thing, but my God, is it in everything? Well, apparently it is. And we yeah. you know, the, the fact that Clifford was looking at all this same sort of thing with his 300 powered microscope. But in this case, all of these things that are are happening, you can, they're moving and you can see how they're moving and you can see. And so they're trying to decide, okay, like you mentioned the graphene oxide, is this graphene oxide here or or is this a quantum dot? Or is this the hybrid gel that, uh, that I first heard Celeste talk about? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all these different things it's a kind of a name game, kind of a show and tell, and they are documenting everything that they're finding, everything to the best of their ability, given that they're they're off off that old trail of classical physics sure. and biology too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is such new stuff that uh, it's almost well, it's pioneering, really. The the technology, somebody understands it. But your average uh, scientist in uh, uh you know the the academic community, really this is brand new stuff.
3: Well yeah, I, I would, would love Sorry. You would I was, love what? You would love to go? If you have I mean, if you're able to, I mean, because you know, it sounds like the only way to find that piece that goes in the middle here would be to observe the slide firsthand. That would be the only because if I yeah.
2: A video, right?
3: How do I know that it's not a deep fake? So if you're able to, uh, yeah, I'd you know, love to uh peek my eye in the microscope, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I can invite you to observe, I mean, this is all online, right? This is not like you know, live, uh, online to observe these microscope people and they show their slides and they discuss them, but um, I, I can't. I don't have, I don't think I could take you into Anna Mahalcha's, I mean, you can make an appointment with her and she'll do a live blood analysis on you for sure. Cause that's how she does her clients. Now she's an MD and she is doing live blood analysis on all her clients to be able to one for her research and to, so, yeah, everybody's got the same stuff. And two, to help her clients with a variety of, of, uh, things she's finding tend to work. Like she had me taking vitamin C all summer long. And I normally don't take that much vitamin C. So, uh, I, I, was do I did that and I didn't feel bad at all. My blood looked like mush to tell you the truth. And the last <laughs> time I looked at it 15 years ago with Clifford, it was red and looked good, looked really good. The erythrocytes looked good, but this time Wow, I I thought I'm amazed I'm walking around and still alive, you know. Uh, and so she put me on a couple things. I had a um uh what is it called? I had uh, my blood cleaned uh, and uh she's got a
1: detoxifying. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, it was detoxing uh with a uh with uh what's it called when you have a a, a ser- you
1: put oh, that in your arm. Uh, an yeah, IV? an IV. I had
2: an IV and and some solution. Um, and um, no, I've never felt bad, but when I saw my blood, it was like, holy cow, what happened to it? So <laughs> uh, anyway, I could give you information for her, and if you wanted to go and observe uh, in an observer capacity, the guys who uh, who are all uh, looking through their microscopes and coming up with things and discussing it, I could get you into that as well. That's, uh, that's at, like one o'clock on Saturdays.
3: Yeah, so, well, to, for me to be able to actually verify what I'm looking at, it would have to be through the microscope, right? Like through the screen, I wouldn't know what had happened to the video, you know, between when it got beamed. Right. But do, when it do you actually. have do you have a friend who has a microscope? Oh, well, certainly not anything that would be powerful enough to well, see. Three,
2: you, you would only need like a 300 power, which is not not all that big. You can see it. You can see it, uh, but um, I'll send. If send me his email, will you, Dan? And then I'll mm-hmm. send you some of Anna Mahalcha's. Um, she has a her stack in her stack. She has a whole bunch of of things you can look at, and uh, I can vouch for her character, but. <laughs>
3: When you observe, so when you go, are, is she just is she just uh, sampling your blood? Are you just observing your blood? Or are you observing the stuff that's in the 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 vials, the jab vials as well? No,
2: I haven't. No, I haven't observed that directly in the sense in her office. Now we only did my blood.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I thought I, I I was sorry. I was under the impression you were going to see what's in the.
2: In- no, no, I haven't asked for that privilege. Uh, I I pretty much have their photographs, and these are very integrative doctors who, uh, David in, in Australia, has lost his license, of course, because he wouldn't have the jab.
1: Well, uh, Dr. Carrie Midday has been on this program, and uh, she has a microscopic. Uh, pictures of some of the things that are in the jab. And uh, uh, Jake, I'm sure she'd be happy to share that with you. She's a, an MD, or at least she she was an MD. Now she's, uh, she's w- uh, actually voluntarily given up her license to practice medicine because they are, uh, same thing, insisting that she be fully vaccinated
3: yeah i I can uh I, I know what that's like I'm not all, all the way booted out of academia but I haven't been in the building in about three years now but, <laughs> right yeah. right. yeah you but know how that goes any any i mean yeah if you uh anybody that's got a sample that that I can look at under the microscope I mean I would i love to I'd love no, to look just at do it. just do your blood do yeah. your blood yeah. you Good just have to own. find
2: someone with a
3: with a microscope that's all Right. I was I was in particularly interested in looking at what's what's perhaps in the uh jam solution. That's that's the main thing I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank like, Uh I could do that. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh I could do that. But I, I really interested in looking at right because that's those videos of the self-assembling stuff and the little tent-
2: well, what I showed you, yeah. You saw that was from the dental anesthetic, the stuff those little pictures I showed you at the end. Those those blobby looking smooth things, and that's under a dark field mi- microscope. You're not going to see that under just a third three hundred power regular microscope. He he has it, it gets in really close, really close. So, uh, but those the, that was in the dental anesthetic, not in the serum. The ones in the serum are usually the computer parts. The uh, th- that thing that looked like a router. Uh, that's the kind of thing you see in the serum. I, I believe they are loading people up to be, um, to be uh, run by digital uh, means. And, uh, and they, so they need little tiny computer parts in there, and they probably have the software being pumped in through the 5G transmission. That's my imagination. That's not something I can show as something real or genuine. That's, that's how I, I now think of it you know, and that's how I work on a trail that isn't classical is, uh, you know, you, you think up uh, an idea and, and it seems that a lot of this stuff is going toward that. So you maintain that idea as a, as a sort of shell while you look at everything else. And if you come across something that completely throws that over, you throw it over and you put in a new one. I mean, that's science. That's Mm -hmm. the open mind of science. And, uh, and that's, that I'm very comfortable doing. Uh, I have no problem with it, but it's, I, I, ha- I can't say I've learned a lot from being with the uh, microscopists uh, in the sense of them naming things and getting things nailed down or anything like that. But to see that, for, for example, it, it's not Brownian motion that's going on in these slides. I know what Brownian motion looked like because I did that when I was in biology in college. So I, I now know, no, that's not Brownian in motion. So that's the hydrogel moving. What, what is it moving? What is its motility from? Is it from the blood? Is it from uh, a liquid? Well, yeah, it turns out that it, reprodu- it uh, reproduces is not the right word. It, it replicates.
1: Replicates, yeah.
2: Really fast. Really fast. Boom, 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 boom. And then suddenly you've got much more fluid coming through. And uh, and it's it's making it itself. So, you know, right now everybody is kind of looking at the behavior of what's uh, under the microscope and comparing notes on it. Uh, they're involved in an inductive process, not a deductive process. So, you know, it, it's slower, it's slower, yeah. But exciting, very exciting, Jake.
1: Jake, I'm I'm gonna. Can I uh, suggest something? I I I will suggest this because Ilana, uh, I think you would uh, you would probably uh, support this. Go to uh, Yuval uh, Noah Harari.
2: Oh, and, Harari, yeah.
1: Yeah, and start looking. I mean, he's one of the one of the now the real experts that come and talk to the world leaders at the World Economic Forum. Go into some of his books and some of the videos that he's done, and he's done literally hundreds of hours of videos talking about how the human genome is permanently changed and uh, how we are stepping into a, a, a totally different world and you know he goes at great lengths to yeah. to talk about that with world leaders now i you know i is he credible well uh who knows but i mean he sure seems to be real sure about what he's telling the leaders of the world about how the technology has changed so much that uh most scientists have no idea even what's happening, That's would you great. call that a legit uh,
2: source? Yeah, well, for, for to just see the how he uh, phrases it, I still remember early on uh, a couple of years ago when he said, "I about fell over." He said, uh, "Yeah," he said, uh, "Now we're going to have surveillance from under the skin." Right. And I was right. like, "Wow, yeah." Mm-hmm. He seems to not be muzzled. It it seems that he's for shock value. I think well, that, doesn't that doesn't mean he's lying. That it doesn't mean he's lying. I think no. he's telling the truth.
1: I do, I do too, and I uh, that's why Jake I suggested him because, uh, you know, this guy talks to the top world leaders, and and uh, Klaus Schwab considers him like his number one guru of. Uh, exposing what this new technology is all about. And I've, I've watched, I don't know how many hours of his videos. And I mean, all you could say is this guy is either exposing something that is very definitely in the works or he is completely a lunatic because what he says is so completely off the rails with what we would consider uh, traditional scientific approaches and thinking—it's so far away from that. And he's either a lunatic, or he is a true, true insider. And I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to determine which it is. But all I can tell you is that the world leaders listen to his words like
3: they're gospel. Well, right. I mean, so I've had this book for quite yeah. a while, right? I cited Yeah, it. that's it. Look, yeah. I- in several papers uh, that you know to be sure he's a historian, right? He's, he's not a technologist, right? But I mean, he obviously has a very good sense of landscape. Um, but when you know when he talks about surveillance under the skin, I mean that could that could easily very well be he could be referring to some of the technologies that I cover in my book, such as the biofeedback wearables, which right when you put these halos on, like they have at the Brain Co company. Or the neurocore company, or like if you have heart math wearables that uh, data mine your your, uh, your no, heart rate. It
2: would, wouldn't it be that, more like the implants you talk about?
3: Well, what I'm what I'm getting at is that what these what these devices are inferring when they're inferring your EEGs or they're inferring your EKGs, right? So your brain waves or your heart waves, right? This is underneath the skin data, right? So in other words, what we could data mine from a human being based on their external behaviors, what they say, what they type into a text box on social media, right? This would all be outside of the skin. But perhaps you want to sort of fly under the radar. And so you type things that you think are politically correct because you don't want people to know what you really think or feel. Uh one way to infer right what you really think or feel could be through a, a, a wearable. right? So the, so the device itself doesn't have to go under the skin in order to surveil under the skin, although no. the brain computer interface could do the same thing. But right? I'm pretty but, sure but, he's but talking, talking about,
1: about devices. Jake, Jake yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but Jake, uh, when they were doing the clot shots, uh, Harari said, this is a way that we can Bring this technology into the human bloodstream. Now he openly stated that, and he wasn't talking about a wearable. They were talking about how, and and certainly Klaus Schwab, uh, very, you know, he he reaffirmed this. This is a new opportunity. In fact, that's what Klaus Schwab said. This, uh, the COVID-19 and the vaccine program. Is a new opportunity to extend this technology into the human
3: genome. That's right. You know, I mean, when I when, from my recollection, and send you the link, I'll listen to it again. I remember. I don't remember it being uh, a direct response to the COVID technology. Now, I have said several times that uh, what I do think that the mRNA. And the viral vector vaccines are is in terms of opening a new door of technology is the realm of precision medicine, which is personalized medicine based on genetics, and then basically treating all of your ailments based on your genome, either by manipulating DNA or by proxy the RNA. So, uh, so I don't so 100 percent, you know the the this new round of vaccine technology is ushering in. Uh, a new era of precision medicine, which is essentially going to be tinkering with biochemistry at the genetic or RNA level. Um, but as far as like the nanotech stuff, uh, you know, oh, again, that is far- nanotech. That is nanotech. That's oh, okay. precision That's medicine
2: is using nanotech. That's well, how they
3: do I'm it. Thinking. Right, but a nanotech is not a nano bot, right? So a nanotechnology. No, no. nanotech includes nanobots. It does, but nanotechnology can also include things that are not nanobots. So, when right, they talk But, about but when they're
2: talking about, del- about drug delivery and stuff, you, you and they're doing it, remember, they're doing it at a distance. It's not the person sitting in the clinician's office. It's not the person in the hospital. It's the person at home. The promise of precision medicine is that they can do the drug deliveries and everything on you at a distance, and they're using digital medicine. They're using the digital. And when they're using the digital, they're using nanotechnology. So it's got to be in there already. And that's what, in, in the context that I'm talking about when Harari said that, about it'll be under the skin, that was the context, was nanotechnology. Mm. It'll be under the skin. And that's exactly how precision medicine. Yeah, you brought up the right term, precision medicine. It sounds well, very they, scary to me.
3: When they when they deliver the uh, viral vector through the the DNA strand to the viral vector, or when they de- deliver the messenger RNA through the nanolipid particle, right? Nano just indicates the size of it. Now, technically, it's a technology in the sense that a stick can be a technology. Anything that we manipulate the external environment with for the sake of utility is a technology. So using a lipid, which is just a fatty corpuscle, just a little, a little fat bubble, and using that as a delivery mechanism to transmit the RNA, uh, Yes, it's a nanotechnology. But to, to say that it has transistors and software and robotics, I haven't found any research that says that they have yeah. transistors that are that are commercially yeah. available at that scale.
2: They have it. They have it all. They have it all. You just haven't read far
3: enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy. Like I said, if you can send me something, I'm happy to read it. I'm happy to be wrong if I'm if I'm wrong. I'm happy to. Admit I'm wrong. It's in my
2: book. I mean, you know, we all, have, we
1: all learn anything. from. We all learn from each other, and this is a great opportunity, Jake. Uh, honestly, um, I think maybe you know, g- getting into uh, geoengineering, transhumanism, her book, and the massive, massive amount of footnotes that are connected with that—you'd have enough reading to to last you for about five years, uh, and that's probably about how long it took to write, I would imagine.
3: Uh, you will- we want to do is I'll you want, I'll send you a copy of mine. You want to send me a copy of yours? Uh, no. Is that the school uh, the school world order? Okay, that's yeah, yeah.
2: Not right now, Jake. But at some point, possibly. I, I'm so I'm so overwhelmed. Uh, I, anyway, possible.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, I yeah, think you know, I just anytime anytime another offer. You know, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. In the, I get it. I get it. I'm yeah, try to make a swap instead of uh, you know buying. Yeah, it. that's. Mm-hmm. No,
2: no, I like it, and uh, and um, I mean, yeah, I get it. Uh, and it wouldn't have to be. You might just wait until I get this synthetic biology book written for uh, for inner traditions. It'll be out in a year. They promise me so, and that'll be a shorter one than this big fat book. This big fat book costs fifty bucks. So oh. I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, exactly. So I'm a little, uh, like uh, I don't know. I just sent one to the, uh, uh gratis to the firefighters because I'm so grateful to them for fighting those terrible plasma fires, which is what they are. They're plasma fires, and and uh, you know it's a, they're very very dangerous and terrible.
1: So well, anyway. and and Jake, I would be happy to send you my copy of Alana's book, but you'd have to send it back to me uh, when you're done with it.
3: Well, we could do that, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'd i like to have a copy just so I have it as a reference material. And Mark yeah. and burn your <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, no, it up, but it, it would be a good thing. And that's kind of why I'm introducing you folks to to one another, because I know how both of you think, and this is going to be an excellent way to advance the the whole concept of uh, exposing this kind of stuff. It really is. It's a wonderful thing.
3: Yeah. 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 No. No. And I, I, you know, I mean, I'm just. Uh, I mean, I hope I'm not being too particular. Uh, it's just. It's no.
2: Like- no. You're
3: being cautious. I. I that's okay. Actually, remember-
2: you're using
1: you're using the scientific approach, uh, and that's good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to be able to, right, dialogue in that way uh, so that that when we do come to common ground or conclusions, right, we know that we're on solid ground, right? So I I actually was at a conference in, in Poland not too long ago where uh, they actually had some people at this, it was uh, it was an academic conference, but they had people that were on the other end of the spectrum that some of these people were actually pro-technocracy. So you can imagine, you know, that was uh, I
2: want to say <laughs> yeah.
3: challenges that went back and forth. Not sure how much of it landed on ears on either side, but I, you know, I enjoy uh that type of dialogue because i think yeah. that when, when it's over what what remains uh is is going to be solid whatever we can whatever we but, can.
2: but that that's my problem jake You're, you now see my problem is i like i like dialogue too but i have to introduce people to a whole new language and a whole new conceptual scientific world that is not it, it's not extant in our, our society. I mean, where can you go to take a course on geoengineering that isn't going to fill you with crap about the global warming and the, the, uh, climate change. There, there is nowhere. There's nowhere. So I have to first spend the first few sessions with you. I've been through this so many times, first few sessions, just defining terms and and no, it's not, that's not the way this is. That that's the old school. Now this is the new way. This is how this looks. So you know, like digital biology. Where are you going to find someone who knows what that is? Uh, that's my problem. You see, you see why uh, I just sit and talk to myself, right, Dan?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, actually, when I, you and I talk quite a bit too. But, and I
2: when I, I when know. I went to the Red Red Pill conference that you were at, Jake and I was. Uh, I mean nobody knew even what geoengineering was. That Most people had not even heard the term. That's what I face. It's It's just not extant in our society. So smart people are not going to talk with me about it, or they're going to resist what I'm saying, as you are, which is fine. I understand because you've got a whole lexicon and you've got a whole way of looking that you've grown up with and, and developed, you know, cut your teeth on intellectually. And then I'm coming in and saying, well, no, it's all this. Uh, I, I get it. it it's, uh, it's a bit scary. But what I asked for from a scientific point of view is an open mind. That's how I went into this. I had an open mind because a, a guy I thought was a terrific scientist, uh, Clifford Carnicum, as I got to be friends with him, I could see that he was he was exacting, he was meticulous, he was integritous. And I said, this is someone I want to learn from. And then I started learning from him. So you've got it, it right. But I am one of those integritous people. I don't, I don't just throw things out at random. Uh, I, I, if anything, I go too far, too much detail, too many footnotes going step-by-step, step-by-step until people are like, "Ho hum, I'm going to go to sleep. I mean, it's, you know, it's tough it's tough. Uh, feel a little compassion for me.
1: <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Atlanta, I, I, it's funny, but there's only a certain kind of person that, uh, would sit down and want to read your book. And I happen to be one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, because it is uh, so complex and there are so many footnotes and it's such a, a new way of thinking. But, uh, Jake, you might mention the fact that, uh, uh, you're as a, a professor, you teach uh, argumentation, scientific, uh, <laughs> and of course, that's naturally that's one of the reasons I wanted you to uh, get a chance to meet with Atlanta is because that is a process that is also a verification process.
3: Yeah, I hope, I, I hope I'm not coming off as uh, not open-minded. I mean, uh, I, I am argumentative, not in the in the uh, adversarial <laughs> sense of the world. That's it, it, just how my brain operates. Like me me going through this litany of questions is more about me, right, trying to make sense of and arrange all the data you're trying to give me uh, yeah. than it is about me testing you or, or any of that stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, a uh, little little kid, probably, uh, I don't know, you know, kindergarten, maybe, you know, first grade, like early elementary school. I remember, I don't remember what it was, but I was just arguing with my grandma about something and she worked for a <laughs> lawyer and whatever I was arguing about, I, don't know, I probably wanted an extra cookie or something. And I reasoned her into this contradiction and she was like, you should be a lawyer. I, I mean, so it's, uh, it's sort of, like, <laughs> yeah, he would have been a been lawyer. I think so. But I hope that I'm, you know what I mean? Like I hope that I can be open-minded and uh rigorous in, in checking all my crossing my T's and dotting my I's at the same well, time. Well I think I
2: think what I'm asking is uh and, and and believe me, it's it's just a a small question, is can you you know sus- suspend judgment on this until you've done a little more research and you're a little more accustomed to the to the nomenclature to you know what some of the things say you can there's plenty of footnotes that refer to uh, military documents that have come out uh consistently over the years uh not recently but up to when they built the heart up in Alaska mm-hmm. in the 90s there were documents already prepping for this so um uh, you know then you know you suspend a judgment, willing suspension of disbelief. Uh, the, the definition Coleridge gave of faith. I think it's a good one. Willing suspension of disbelief until, uh, you know, you get a little more information, a little more comfortable with the language and then, um, you know, and you can find me a a bazillion places on the web, but, um, and the book if you, if you can, but I just, I just really get tired of the American penchant for judging things like that. I, I just, I don't even. I don't understand that. I I, I can't do that. No,
1: I, don't I can't either. judge
2: people or or situations or anything. I can't judge anything. I've got to think about it. I've got to go over it in my mind, and maybe do a little research or something. So uh, that's what I'm I'm begging for is just a uh, willing suspension of disbelief until you know a little more.
3: Yeah. No. No. I'm I'm open minded to the possibilities. I'm I'm neither suspending belief or disbelief. I'm just trying to right working through what i'm looking at uh like i said i mean if i look at each piece individually there's definitely something there right and so uh i'm not i'm I'm not uh unwilling to try to look further to see if i can find other data that shows how it's connected but right now that's we're in this in this dialogue at this moment right i'm i'm uh I guess you could say I'm at best agnostic, right? That I'm I'm trying <laughs> to find something concrete to grab onto. But agnostic is not, right? It's
1: not uh it's not a, a negative, it's kind of a neutral. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's uh that's oftentimes, even in my own research, right? You know, if I when I put the pieces together, I try to say, I'm pretty sure, right? I'm pretty sure that what I'm looking at and what I'm inferring is gonna uh, is, is on point. So, like when I talk about uh, the emergence of a social credit system in the United States, it's gonna use all the various devices that hook up to the, to the schools, the adaptive learning courseware, the biofeedback wearables, things that are not commercially uh, in the make yet, such as the brain computer interfaces. Um, and oh, they I are, see, but they're happening. They're happening. BCIs, those yeah, are the nanotechs. National Science Foundation, Neuralink, Facebook. Okay, right. But what I what I mean by that is that, right? Last I checked, Musk was uh, messing around with human trials. But right, uh, ex- unless well, Musk you is are not vaccinated. someone you should pay attention to.
2: What's that? M- Musk is not someone you should pay attention to. He's a poster boy. Um, sure,
3: but there are much be right. better uh, people. I'm not a Musk fanboy at all. I mean, you know, I wrote about him in my book, right? His granddaddy was part of Technocracy Inc. And he's got his hands in every technocratic yeah. uh, agenda you can think of, right? He's got the he's got the Starlink satellites, right? He's, he's really he's cute. He's data. useful. He was on the board for open AI, right? I mean, like everything that would that would come together to build a social credit system that could data mine all your bio algorithms through the internet of body and internet of things. Uh, he's He's got his hands in it. Uh, I'm just saying that, right, as far as my research goes, uh, unless you're a paralytic or an epileptic, um, we don't have brain-computer interfaces commercially available, just as some sort of cognitive enhancement that that he that he purports Neuralink will be. But right, I could easily see right based on 60 years of historical research and development, and the fact that they are getting ready for human trials, and several of these companies are working and on that. Them. They lie all the time. You're not including that. Well, and then to see that in China, uh, they have a ubiquitous system of surveillance that can be plugged into their social credit system through Sesame Credit, right? And that uh, big corporations that partner with the World Economic Forum like Alibaba and BlackRock and Salesforce are all invested in that whole system that, right, I could easily extrapolate and say, I'm pretty sure that, right? (laughs) That's what they want to put together, and they want to have that for everybody, everywhere. They've got um, it. It's already a done deal.
1: Yeah, it's there. Already a
3: done
2: deal.
1: Jake, Jake, and uh, and you said something early on, and so did Atlanta, and it's absolutely true. That what we understand, what we what what they allow us to see or perceive is uh, roughly fifty to sixty years behind where their technology has advanced to. And and I, I mean, if you want to look at somebody who is uh, invested in this technology beyond anything you can possibly imagine, there is a an acronym group that is like the poster child, and that's DARPA.
2: And the Jasons. And the Jasons. I've always got to put the Jasons in. The Jason group. Please check it out. Those are the creme de la creme scientists, mm-hmm. handpicked by intelligence agencies and top money to do work on the science that they're particularly interested in, even beyond DARPA. DARPA yeah. is sort of the mechanical next step. Right, but it's the, it's uh, the, the Jason funding. group. Yeah, Jason Group is, is hugely important.
1: DARPA is kind of the funding and kind of the, I guess I would call it the gateway keeper. Is that a reasonable
2: and, that, and nuts and bolts? That they're mm-hmm. going to figure out how to do it. They're given the idea with a few leading thoughts, and then they're going to figure out how to manifest it into something really physical and working. Yeah, and then IARPA—that's the new one. IARPA is the intelligence DARPA that just mm-hmm. came out this last year, to my
3: knowledge. Well, and the internet itself, right, it was once ARPANET, right? And you have Annie Jacobs. And no, not that board. one. That one wasn't originally. I know, up. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. IR was something different. I know that. I'm just saying that, right? Okay. I mean, before we even get to, right, wearables, brain computer interfaces, nanotech, etc., right, this, this medium that transmits all this information and all the software, right, globally. Is the internet right, and so I mean the baseline for all these other pieces that, w- that w- will most likely eventually plug in, right? Was right. It all comes out of the same uh, organization, you know. So yeah. I-, I did want to say this, which is that you know, uh, uh, I'm this is not what I'm doing at uh, in this conversation. And that is, um, well, I hope I'm being charitable to the person that was sort of challenging me at the conference, but I can't remember her name. Uh, and actually, I couldn't pronounce it when I was there, so I had her introduce herself when I did the chair. So apologize. For I didn't
2: see him. you at the conference. I didn't catch your your talk.
3: I, no, I'm Sorry. talking about this. I went to a, a conference in Poland, Yagi. Uh, oh, Germany, I see. Uh, and you know, I had people that were, you know, it's a few people. There was one guy that was a Rand Corporation guy that was, you know, basically arguing in favor of technocracy, at least in the area of cybersecurity and uh, one of the panels that I was on, there was a young lady who was, um, well, she said, "But she said, by no means, I'm not making apologies for China or their social credit system. But she wanted to point out what she called myths. And so we went back and forth. And what I, what I asked her was, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying the myths are, is that it's not as ubiquitous as people might think. The Communist Party and the central government doesn't <laughs> necessarily run it. And that in many instances it's more like a credit reporting system than what they called um, sort of the the social credit metrics that would not be traditionally associated with right financial uh, credit implications right? right those were the three things right and so you know what I sort of asked her was well I mean but but it's still there right and it still does all the things that people think it does it's just that what you're suggesting is that perhaps people are uh worried about it in ways that they shouldn't be right now, right? And uh, you know, I sort of took even though she said that um she wasn't you know being an apologist for the Chinese uh Communist Party and their social credit system, I kind of got the <laughs> sense. was yeah I mean not in yes, spoke Chinese and had studied there, but that's I mean she's a nice lady. I'm not trying to uh, you know, the, yeah. take her to task too much. But what I'm saying is that uh, I'm not doing that. And maybe she wasn't doing that either. But my interpretation of it was that's what sort of was the base, the, the basis of her thesis, because I didn't understand what was the point in trying to point out the myths if not to suggest that uh, you know, don't look over here. It's it's not as bad as, as you think. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not I'm not trying to suggest that it's not something that we should consider or look at. I'm genuinely just trying to figure out uh how I can how I can piece it together in my own mind with enough primary data so that I I can confidently say, right, uh that it's so. I, I had a student one time. Uh, and I can't remember what he what he brought up, but I, you know, I kind of, you know, I said something to the effect, "Well, I'm not so sure about that," and kind of moved on. And he was upset later. He said, "Why did you shoot me down like that?" You know, and I was like, "I wasn't shooting you down. I honestly don't know if what you're saying is accurate. Perhaps it is, but I can't undermine what I'm saying about the lesson in general." By if not by affirming something that I personally haven't affirmed yet, right? And so we kind of came to a meeting in the minds. He was like, "Oh, okay, so that's that's where I'm at in this, right?" So I, yeah. you know, I, uh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's so touchy these days, isn't it? Everything's so touchy.
1: Well, yeah. uh, elana I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: this uh, Jake is uh, brilliant. He he really is, and he's a great researcher. He's actually now uh and I'm I think I'm kind of proud of this, but I connected him uh with uh Dr. Michael Rechtenwald. They did a program together. The I think you saw Michael, he's the uh, Marx ex Marxist professor who is now running uh for the uh, libertarian presidential candidate. Wow. Uh, I think it's really cool. I'm so happy about that. And, uh, also, and he's going to be on here, uh, in, in about a week and a half with me. Um, but, uh, uh also, uh, uh, trying to think who else I connected, uh, you with Jake, um, but you had me on with Patrick Wood a couple Pat times. Pat Wood, Pat Wood, yeah, sure. Patrick Wood, uh the technocracy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to do the same thing with you because I mean this is so cool to get uh th- these kind of great minds together because it can really advance the program. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I love I love that you do that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And like, you know, me and Michael have had our back. And forth on stuff, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I helped him write his break reset book, but there was, you know, parts in the book where we kind of had to, right, uh, two mm-hmm. different perspectives that we had to, right, we had to sort of glean out uh, what what we could both confirm a few times. And it was nothing, there was not, no egos involved. It was nothing more than, right, like, how can we put this in writing in a way that we can substantiate, it, right? Right, yeah.
1: right. That's cool.
3: All right. Well, um
1: Okay, uh anything else Jake that uh you you would like to uh you would like to ask as far as uh areas that we need to uh get more information to you.
3: No, I think I think we definitely covered uh you know the well who knows how much more you you might have more research that we didn't touch on but as far as the stuff that we talked about I I think uh we covered it all. <laughs> Uh, like I said, if, if you could put me in touch with anybody with the microscopes that I could peek at, that'd be cool. Um, I'd love to take a look at the book eventually. Uh, maybe this, this, uh, Poland trip to, to put a huge debt in my, my reservoir. So I'm a little mm-hmm. reticent to make uh, any, uh, purchases for my, the library anytime soon, but eventually I'll definitely get around to it. But if you get a copy and you want to, and you want to barter, uh, I'd be happy to uh, dig in and take a look at some of those endnotes. notes. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah, I think that's, and I may uh, intercede there, Jake. I may, as long as you'll send it back to me, because it is an excellent, excellent book. Uh,
3: I would send it back, but here's, uh, I get really busy with stuff, and sometimes uh, I don't even go to the P.O. Box for like a month at a time. So I'm <laughs> reticent to say, yeah, send it, and then like a month or two goes by and either I haven't got it out of the PO box yet, or I haven't had a chance to look at it and then, and maybe forgot to send it back promptly. So that's the only reason I i don't want to say, please send it. Otherwise mm-hmm. uh, I would say, yeah, if, if you live down the street or something, right. I, yeah, I would. feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, like- I like that too because I can't tell you how many books I've loaned out. To people who said they had an interest in reading them. And uh I there might get to their the house room. three years later and it's sitting somewhere with about a half an inch of dust on it.
3: <laughs> dog ears and uh, papers <laughs> all worn and uh, marked up and stuff like that. And I've I've had a few people uh I've had Dao Kundo Do, Bruce Lee's one of his uh books on his philosophy of martial arts. I've I've trained people in I've given it out like three times and every single time they keep, they, they disappear. They disappear with the book. So yeah, well, I, uh, I'm not big on <laughs> lending books unless, right. I'm very close with the person and I know that we're close enough where I can, if I have to go over there and snatch it back, I can snatch it back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll write it down because my memory isn't as good as it was 20 years ago
3: either. <laughs> If we see each other at the next red pill, I'll bring I'll have copies, right? You'll probably have Mm -hmm. copies too. So we could probably swap at that at that time, whenever that might be. Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Well, all right. Alana, let's talk about your new books and the reason that you're doing it. You did briefly talk about it, but um, they asked you this and Jake, you're a, a Christian man as well. I know that. Uh, so am I, uh, and part of, I guess I would call the uh, the essence and the esoteric nature of some of this discussion is the fact that uh, without question, if we sift through the uh, flack around it, this is a battle between good and evil. We are facing forces of evil that have every intention of uh, destroying God's creation as uh, as we are created in God's image and coming up with some hermorphodite mess that they want to uh, change humanity into. Uh, am I fair in saying that? And that's a good—we've got about seven minutes left. That might be a good way to end this discussion. Go ahead, both of you.
2: Well, I I definitely agree with that. And uh, otherwise, why would I have put so much of my life into this? I'm just amazed how how hard I work because I do realize that we could lose the human race to this tech that's particularly after it's been promulgated environmentally, which I, I usually use the word epigenetically, it has been promulgated purposely for non-humans, for transhumans. humans uh, That's why, you know, there are things I hear about where, uh, like recently, Deborah Tavares called me this morning talking about how she's realized that they're going to start taking the hydrogen out of primary water uh, in, in order to make it into an energy moneymaker. And the thought that, that the water would become so scarce, uh that I mean, obviously they are heading toward a non-human species as per Homo sapiens, what we've had up till now in God's creature. Uh and uh, and to to think any less because it sounds so ridiculous, it sounds so overblown, it sounds so Myth- mythical, uh, it is foolish at this point. These people, and I'm very familiar with the satanic religion, Satanism. Uh, I've read about it. I've studied it. I've studied Alist- Alistair Crowley. I mean, I, I, I know how their religion works. Their mass is uh child sacrifice and drinking the blood and eating the flesh. Uh, their, um, the, this, the core of their religion is stealing children for the sake of as much ritual activity as possible to feed the demonic. Uh, This is all real. Whether you think it sounds like a lot of baloney or not, uh, that's not how they think of it. They really, really, really believe in it. And if you've ever met a Satanist, I've met two totally practicing Satans. You know, I've met kids too, but I'm not talking about them. The practicing Satanists very interesting to be around them because they are not at all, they, they are, they are sort of empty vessels, sort of there's nothing human in them. Uh, and uh, so for me, I very much know what we could all become if we become machines. And, uh, and we are taken over by 5G, 6G systems uh, under an AI that may or may not be programmed or have a, a demonic element incarnating into the AI uh you know i never forget what Jordy uh rose said the the ceo a ceo at the uh, at the uh dark uh, the the computer company that's just north of me uh when he said that when he is near the um the computer he always feels like He's worshiping at an at the altar of an alien god. I I I don't know about you, but wow, I, I can hear the truth in that. Uh, yeah. So I'm assuming that some of these devices and these uh, these substances being made by Pfizer, black magicians, etc., are really uh, are, are hold uh, conscious entities that we need to be very concerned about. Uh, I mean, those in Christ, in my opinion, uh, do not need to worry in the sense of being that they don't have a vacuum in them. I'm concerned about all the people who are agnostic or uh, or atheist who have a vacuum in the part where it should all be human. And uh, nature abhors a vacuum. It's one of the old tenets of the old science. And I think that's right. I think you can you can be income. You can have something come into you that begins to take over those places that you have removed your humanity from, such as the you know a businessman uh, who uh, is concerned about profit and the bottom line in his career, etc. He can very easily have jettisoned his humanity uh, with all sorts of BS uh, to explain why he's you know, uh, serving this purpose uh, wherein people are now starving or land is being destroyed or all these things, uh, all these moral things, he's Mm -hmm. he's abandoned his humanity, well, then something can happen to him that I don't know that I can help him uh, beyond uh, in this life or beyond death. I don't think so. I do believe that those who pray, who truly know how to pray, can help people beyond this earth and on this earth right now, but I don't know that we can help everyone. So I, I am concerned to make this information that has so much destructive power. Whether you're talking in Harari terms of under the skin, or you're talking uh, of these weather, uh, you know, like the fire, the geoengineered fire in Maui. It, what, whatever you're, however you're looking at this technology that has merged two halves together to be a tremendous weapon. uh, This is what we need to concern ourselves with, at least to prepare our consciousness to resist, at least that, if not to be able to uh, eradicate the technology itself. Uh, That's more than uh, my pay grade can handle, is to go into that realm. I, I don't have enough knowledge for that, but I do have knowledge of consciousness and of the ability to muster tremendous spiritual forces uh, to, to salvage what is human, what is truly human, uh, and to, to try to save it for the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's well said. Um, Jake? You got okay, time?
3: What? Is it time? I don't want to run over the next uh, show.
1: No, that's okay. Um, I, I've got a feeling. Just go ahead. I, I want to hear what you've got to say.
3: I'll, I'll expedite. So, I mean, one, one thing that we definitely agree upon is that there is a transhumanist agenda. There is a push to uh, reimagine the human species into this uh, new sort of human-machine merger. Uh, I would, If I had to guess, if I had to surmise, uh, they, they actually are, would like to create two separate species, uh, basically sort of a digital caste system that that the rest of us will sort of be beholden to, and then sort of uh, in, in something of a hive mind through the Internet of Body, Internet of Things, and all the various devices that would sort of uh, behaviorously control us, um, and that the sort of the elite would, uh, they would be the ones who are going to, in their own words, become godlike. I don't think they really have a plan for everybody to be godlike. Um, and that, that does tie in with the Gnostic tradition in terms of how it understands the, the garden story and inverting what the tree of the fruit of knowledge is and how it makes the human being his or her own god. And by by extension, this is essentially a Luciferian proposition. So I I, I think we're on the same page there. Um, I would just say, yeah, it's probably far above my pay grade to hazard or a solution other than, you know, Jesus Christ. And that's the best I could say for today uh, in the sake of time.
1: Well, I think that's well said, uh, Jake. And and But uh, maybe all this stuff is above our pay grade. There's no question about it. I mean, we're talking some really, really advanced technologies and ideas that, uh, but at the same time, if we don't talk about them and we don't we don't uh, create this kind of uh, uh, symbiosis uh, that allows us to advance these ideas so that we can really truly understand it, then we're missing the boat. And that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both. I mean, I love this conversation. To me, it's a conversation between, uh, two old friends that I just absolutely love your your ideas, your way of doing things, your way of bringing this information together. Um, both of you, thank you so much for this discussion, and uh, th- I want to thank our viewers. I, I this is not this this is, like I said this is uh, this is information uh for a sunday afternoon that is a direct competition with the nfl and if if this kind <laughs> if if the people that join us are as smart as I think they are, this is exactly why we can save this world instead of sitting in front of the one-eyed mind sucker uh, watching professional sports. So with that said, thank you both. I I love you guys both, and I can't wait to have another discussion again soon. From the way